Good afternoon. My name is Clark Freilich. And I'm Clyde Gaw. And this is the Blocks Paper Scissors Podcast. In this podcast, Clyde and I will be discussing the unmotivated student. We're going to help identify that student and give you some ideas on how to reach that student in the TAB classroom. Well, Clyde, it's been a while since we've had a discussion, since we've had a chance to record our podcast. We met before Christmas, Yep. and a lot has happened since then. Uh, we had that amazing article that came out in the newspaper. Uh, I, I was pleased. Um, it's it's uh, always fun to read uh, what other people are thinking uh, with respect to the work that you're doing. It's gratifying. Having said that, our work continues, and... Um, we are on the threshold of some, uh, I think, educational breakthroughs. And that's kind of what motivates me, uh, and I know it motivates you also. Yeah, we all, uh, it, it's weird because just thinking about what we do and seeing the kids you know, is what helped motivate me to start this podcast and to help other teachers. And I know that's what we talked about in the article was using this as a vehicle to help educate people who want to try TAB. Uh, it's, it's kind of a unique way to share what we know, to share our knowledge. Uh, it's not very a nonlinear way because we tend to get off topic every once in a while, but we do our best. It's absolutely, <clears throat> you brought up a great point. It's, it's not a nonlinear way, and, and you think about the way schools are structured, and they are linear. And, um, and, and you and I have had private talks before, and we talk about, you know, creativity, how it's a nonlinear uh, pathway. You know, you, you go two steps forward, three steps backward sometimes, but that's not the way um, curricula is set up in traditionally uh, the regular school setting. It's, it's on a linear trajectory, and um, supposedly a child will reach mastery of content after they have after they have uh, gone through the uh, the curriculum strands of, of a particular subject area of a particular class yes and 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 supposedly there will be intellectual growth assuming that all children are equal and within a short small range of heterogeneity that's a word <laughs> it is okay. <laughs> Not all kids fit into that, and that's going to kind of feed our discussion today because we're going to talk about the unmotivated child or, more specifically, the child that doesn't really react to normal stimulus. Yeah, the regular regular classroom stimuli. Uh, you know, thinking about um, what we observe in uh, with respect to populations of students in our class, we have... You know, a, a large percentage of children who are responsive. Uh, thinking about Madeline Hunter's um, lesson sequence where you might have an anticipatory response uh, for a, a lesson activity, which would be like, 
you know, in tab speak, that would be our five-minute lesson where you get, you know, the whole group introduction, uh, introductory lesson for the day. If 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 it's a, a teaching day or a lesson day, mm -hmm. sometimes if you have a studio day, you know, the teacher's not going to talk that much. But but let's say you did a a whole group lesson and you were thinking about Madeline Hunter and and an anticipatory response to get children interested in an activity. Let's say, for example, I'm thinking about what I'm doing right now in the classroom, which is showing kids how to work with cardboard. Well, um, so I'm, I'm using slots and notches to build a structure, and I'm thinking all my kids are gonna be juiced up to make slots and notches, and lo and behold, after I do my wonderful presentation, I have uh, a handful of kids are still sitting uh, unresponsive. And so I, I, my approach is to, to wait and to be patient with those children. Mm -hmm. I know in recognizing an unmotivated student, you know, there's, there's a lot of different strategies to help motivate that child. The first one is that I know it's a, it has to do with relationships with a, a student and a teacher. Uh -huh. And we talk a lot about trust in my classroom in that if the kids don't trust me, they're not going to react or have that uh, desire to work for me. Uh -huh. That's why, it's, you know, it's really important to have a relationship. And I know it's kind of hard in an art room because I have 800 and some students. It's uh -huh. a lot of kids that I have to... Only 800. Only 800. Well, there's more, <laughs> and they keep coming. But it, it's, it's really important that at least the kid knows that we care. Uh -huh. and, and I know a lot of kids don't think that their teachers care. There's little things that we can do as teachers to show them that we care. And in the TAB classroom, that's magnified because we do have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. And talking with these kids and finding out what they like and giving them the time and that we're not going to freak out if they don't do it by the end of the week right? or at the end of the day. We have a lot of evidence, uh, anecdotal it may be, but I have a lot of children's uh, essays and artist statements where they appreciate the patience um, that a teacher bestows upon them. And, and I know that your students would feel the same way about you, as, as you just mentioned. You know, the, the child who opts to wait and see and watch the others and his other classmates, <clears throat> he may not be doing anything or she may not be doing anything, but she's learning or he's learning by watching and being in the room. And or the, incubating. Yes, or incubating. And uh, so having patience with those children is really important. I know the, the state and many districts, um, their um, desire to hurry children through, mm -hmm. to, to hurry a child into the curriculum experience, uh, I think <clears throat> sometimes is uh, detrimental to the, to the child, particularly if the child is um, experiencing any kind of emotional or cognitive dysfunction. Oh, um, yeah. And, and so giving the child space and time, I think, is really important. And the child recognizes that you recognize they need space and time. Now, in a, whenever I have an administra administrator drop by, 
or if I know I'm being observed by an administrator, and I'll tell them before, you know, post or pre, uh, pre-observation or post-observation, you know, if you don't see a child working in my room, they're doing observations themselves, and they're having uh, activity inside of their mind mm-hmm. that we can't, that's invisible to, to us. And uh, that is benefiting the child immensely because we know later on there's going to be some creative activity happening. Uh, I, w- I was talking about, you know, doing a, a large group presentation. Like I was working with cardboard uh, the other day mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> was doing my slot and notch routine and turning them into like Calder stabiles. So I had a handful of kids opted for to work with cardboard. Then I had a bunch of, a bunch of others who went to the clay center and worked with the clay there. And then we had some others who went to the went straight for the plaster blocks. We have like big pieces of plaster that, that they can carve into and they can do some carving. Because our focus this semester is 3D sculpture. Mm-hmm. So all, all my lessons and my most of my most of my uh, center setup is related to 3D. But we still have the paint center and the drawing center set up. So after I did my presentation on cardboard, we had about 80% of the class was either doing cardboard or working with other centers materials. Mm-hmm. We have some kids, and because it's the first part of the semester, we've got a lot of new kids in there who've never been in a tab classroom. And the, you know, the first part of the semester, I think, is a shakedown period. The kids are getting a feel for what's going on, and I'm getting a, I'm getting a sense of what the children are about. So it may seem like, you know, they might be unmotivated at that particular point in time, but really they're just still dealing with uncertainty and 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 uh, thinking about the creative process, which I've already talked to them about. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about artists generate ideas. They can generate ideas on their own. In fact, that's all that art, artists do is they, they use their mental faculties, uh, they use their imagination, their emotions, their powers of observation, powers to experiment, and their feelings and emotions to, um, to generate ideas. So we talk about that. Um, you know, artists use their memories. Uh, and it's really important that you talk about that because another reason why a lot of kids might seem unmotivated is, is that their ideas, they're afraid, first of all, they need to know that they can do it and that they can be successful and that their ideas, they may not feel that their ideas fit in with the classroom. So they might have some really great ideas. Yeah. But it may not be in drawing, it may not be in painting or sculpture, but it might be in something else. And when given the choice, which is an, is another thing to help kids motivate themselves, uh, when you have more choice, you give them an opportunity to explore that wide area. Uh-huh. This year I had, I had a student who fit into that description of what we were talking about, not necessarily unmotivated, but didn't want to do what we were doing yeah. or what was available. And until I talked to him, tried to tease out what he was interested in, and he was more interested in electronics, in kind of a technology 
bent. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we worked with a Mickey Mickey uh-huh. to help him make music, and he would turn artworks using Mickey Mickey into instruments. Now you're going to have to upgrade my uh, my technology uh, baseline of knowledge of what a Mickey Mickey is. So, so a Mickey Mickey is a small uh, device that you plug in to your USB port, uh-huh. and then you connect a varying wires to that, and then using your body as a ground, anytime you touch any of the other wires, it turns into, uh, you can play a keyboard, you can play bongos. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do, and just allowing kids to use that as a way to express themselves was just a way to get this one student motivated to try some new things. Uh-huh. And and what you're doing is you are uh, transcending traditional boundaries of art education content. When you are stepping uh, into uh, um, that kind of a experience for the child, when you're providing, differentiating an experience for the child uh, to get them excited about class, uh, the the makey makey is not a traditional kind of a art art education experience, is is it not? Or no, it's it's more STEM related. As again, as we talk about relationships and finding out what the kids are into, that experience could dovetail into uh, making music uh-huh. or coding uh-huh. or using the makey makey or you know whatever the child's interest is in. Cause right. The thing about tab, we're not. It's not product based. It's process, uh-huh. and we want kids to be creative thinkers. Right. Now, if they're creative thinking with painting or with printmaking, that's one thing. But you can be a creative thinker with a lot of other things. We give them that opportunity to explore those areas. And and really, what <clears throat> if you think about it, what what is what is taking place in a studio setting are is an elevation of executive functioning skills. Of the child, so you know they're they are uh, we're asking them to operate as an agent of their own learning instead of being compliant to directions, um, specific directions on a s- single task that they might typically do in a regular classroom. Here, you know, they're basically using their powers of imagination to invent an activity, uh, a curriculum event, basically. And so, and then acting upon those ideas, you know, that's a, that's I think an elevation of the kinds of thinking that they're doing, which are task specific uh, in uh, in a tr- traditional classroom setting. For example, I'm thinking about my seventh grade science teacher who would tell us, "Okay, today we're going to read chapter ten of." Uh, your general science book on cellular mitosis and I'm like you know I can remember in seventh grade I was like uh, I really want to draw what does this mean dinosaurs and why is this relevant why this doesn't mean anything to me but if he would have said Clyde I need a good illustration of cellular mitosis that might have worked for me at that time for you you know, and we have kids, you think about where the typical art room has gone in the last 20, 10, 20 years, you know, with the introduction of technology. You know, I talk about Makey Makey 
I know a lot of our teachers who have a lot of technology with little bits, electronic circuitry. Uh-huh. And, you know, and they can make artwork that lights up, that makes noise. You've got all different types of, of things on the computer, animation, stop motion animation, kids making movies. Um, I have another kid who's in this thing. He doesn't want to draw, uh-huh. but he wants to make music. So he's been making music using GarageBand. Uh-huh. So this is a song by one of my students who created this in art class. I've got some. I've got some students who are designing songs. They come into the room, and um, and I was observing one, and he was, he was, unmotivated, like, like is our topic today. And I'm like, you know, and I flat out asked him. I said, I said, what, what are you interested in? And he says, well, I'm, you know, I'm really into designing my own beats. I said, well, let's design. He, he sent me for his electronic portfolio. He had ten complex compositions of individual songs he designed on a, a, a software product called Fruity Loops. And he, uh, and so I was blown away. I'm like, we, we don't have to do art if you're gonna be engaged in doing this complex creative activity using Fruity Loops, designing your own beats. I'm all for that because, and then he did beautiful writing for me later on. The The interesting thing is the, the artist statements of, you know, what, children are uh, reflecting upon with respect to the experiences that they've had a, a say in in developing. And they're always grateful. They're always grateful. And I have a lot of children uh, who come to see us, you know, in general education populations. We don't, we don't know what their situations are, Clark. The kid that we were talking about earlier that I know, his, um, you know, his, he was living with grandparents Mom wasn't around uh-huh. for various reasons. Mom comes back in the picture, throws every you know his whole system off. Uh-huh. It's just tragic. Yeah, what these kids have to deal with in a daily basis. I'm thinking about one of my students. Um, her mother just passed away, and you know, very deeply saddened. <clears throat> and she she did not. I didn't force her to make art, and she did. She didn't make art for about a month, and then out of the blue, one day, uh, she's sitting with her fellow students, who's kind of like an—he's uh, kind of like what Nan Hathaway would call an outlaw. <laughs> you know, she—he's like kind of like a. Is he rebel. wearing the red bandana? <laughs> no, but he likes—he drops the f bomb every now and then. <laughs> I think I've seen him right on your uh, tables a few times. <laughs> We, they learned that in elementary school, by the way. Is that, they learned it in your class? Not in my class. <laughs> <laughs> they learned the F-bomb in elementary school because it's written all over our bathrooms uh-huh. for some reason. They learn a new word and they have to express themselves. Yeah. Well, they're and they're, you know, practicing their executive functioning skills. Again, you know, it takes practice to really refine your executive functioning skills. So most of your life is spent, you're spent practicing with the new, newly learned skills and, and newly 
acquired agency. You know, gosh, I, I wish I'd been exposed to more agency when I was younger uh, in, in traditional school settings. I guess I turned out okay, but um, I know there are some children who did not. For some strange reason, we don't know. It's, it's like, like a crapshoot. Some do, some don't. But we want to try to make it so that the majority do. Who knows? My, my main concern is to do no harm. And, and I know you and I, you know, we've talked about this before. Our approach is, um, you know, we're, we focus on art content. We've, we focus on uh, student-centered pedagogy. And, we, and TAB has been a wonderful vehicle for us to, to provide children with creative experiences. But it also adds another dynamic in that... Um, the children can um, they can participate as much uh, as they want to, or let off on the gas pedal when they feel like they need to. Also, so this business about hurrying children through a curriculum, um, there's a lot of evidence that schools hurry children through, and particularly with these new testing mandates, especially here in the state of Indiana, where they're cranking up. Uh, new tests all the time, uh, basically running test prep in the school. Uh, when children get to art class, you know this is a, this is a whole different kind of a, a learning dynamic, learning environment, one that's infused with aesthetics, and uh, the and the the curriculum dynamic of tab is that there's democratic processes involved in in the in the curriculum decision decisions that are made so that's different uh, from what goes on in, in a traditional classroom even though we have many wonderful wonderful teachers who are uh, who are who are working with children and and doing amazing things throughout uh, throughout k-12 ed but I think Many teachers are hamstrung by legislative mandates that trickle down from the state house to the schoolhouse. Unlike art education, which we don't have those testing mandates, that frees us up to uh, develop curriculum that is uh, what I what I know for a fact, having seen it firsthand and read student responses. I know firsthand. The art curriculum that we are deploying right now uh, is is extremely beneficial from a social emotional standpoint. It's not technically a curriculum like people would think, but we do present an amount of information and then let the kids work with it. And which is kind of, if you think about it, would be really confusing to a lot of kids. To come to school, that's always been in a in a typical uh, standard type school, and then come into a situation where they do have freedom to, you know, where the the freedom is, the responsibility is on them to help learn. <clears throat> so, you know, there's that cognitive dissonance that kids have to deal with uh-huh. when they're in, in when they're exposed to tabs. So that might take a long time to figure out. And now, now you see a lot of classroom teachers kind of borrowing from the idea of student-led. How can we get more choice into the classroom? Yes. You know, borrowing from maker movement, borrowing from wherever, as long as they're giving the kids more choice, 
empowering the kids with their own ideas, then there's a you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Now if we could just get rid of all the tests <laughs> and grades. We should, I mean, you think about it, that what we should be doing is portfolios. If you had uh, working portfolios and uh, uh, you had uh, presentation portfolios uh, that were community-based, school-based, that followed the child around, the school district and the communities can can look at the intellectual growth that's taking place. And if you went to assessment-based, if you went to portfolio assessments instead of test-based assessments, it's going to be all about the child. It's going to be all about the child, and that's going to that's going to create a um, a feedback loop that's extremely beneficial. Um, the experience is not going to be mechanized, but it's going to be organic and the children are going to have much more uh, meaningful, many more meaningful experiences as opposed to doing work that, you know, they're just being tasked to do. And think about how that relates to motivation. Yes. You know, when, when the student is empowered with his own ideas and understands that he can be successful or she can be successful in their own ideas and, and you know, coming up with that idea and working through that process of taking chances, failing, learning along the way, and then presenting that as, you know, here's what I learned, as opposed to take this test, uh-huh. motivation's gonna be increased immensely. Self-expression is something that cannot be overlooked, but it is overlooked by legislators and uh, policymakers who, who are ramming experiences down children's throats and these experiences by the way are behavior you know they're basically behavior modification experiences and and structured around uh, Pav- not just Pavlov but Skinnerian operant conditioning uh, principles with uh, rewards and punishments and um, but back to what we do and that's providing avenues of self-expression and you know I was talking about evidence I want to read to you this is from a former student um, it was he was he was a tough kid. This was a tough tough kid, and he was a major athlete. Um, but you know he was he was dealt some pretty difficult uh, blows, uh, I think, in um, in his childhood. And um, I'm not going to get into specifics. But here's here he writes to me. He says um, the, f- the first thing I want to talk to you about is how I value how I can express myself. In this art class, I can show you how much. In this class, I get to show my love in my, in my way of art. The second thing I want to talk to you about is how I can do what I want to do, knowing that I can do what I want takes the pressure off of me because I don't have to make it perfect. It makes me very happy to have that choice, and it makes me feel grown. The last thing I would like to express to you is how I can just have fun with what I I can do in art class. I have no certain thing that I have to do. I can just come in and do what I do. So that is much more fun than having to do the same thing everyone else is doing. This child had some difficulties with communication and... um, 
I would say was not a natural writer or a natural speaker, but our class was of immense value to him. He did graduate. He was a star athlete. He led his, his team to a state championship in football. Go Dragons. And uh, <laughs> he was a tough, tough football player. If you can imagine somebody who's six feet tall, 250 pounds of pure muscle, that's what this student was. Having said that, he, had, he grew up in difficult conditions. Uh, I don't want to get too specific about it, but the value of, of him uh, being able to take our TAB class, and, we, and he took it with me in third grade, and he, and he took it with me as a, as a junior and senior in high school. And uh, it was a v- very important to him and uh, to be in that class and to have opportunity for self-expression. And his interest in art was in drawing football logos. And so he would, he would draw freehand from memory. He would draw and do variations on a theme of, of uh, the football logo teams, uh, of teams that he was interested in. So that was his that was his variation on a theme for his his art pathway was working with football logos and then abstracting them and reconfiguring elements from the logos and we had conversations about how how he might be able to do that and then he did some collaborative work with some classmates that were of very important to him also but um but I just want to say that you know here in the state of Indiana where our state is, leads the nation in children who think about suicide. Our state of Indiana leads the nation in children who consider ending their lives. Uh, they have thoughts about that. And this has been going on for uh, some time. We also have a high rate of juvenile suicide. And that statistic alone makes me think that school has something to do with this. That's a common denominator that all of our teenagers have is, you know, they're in school. And what's going on in school that they don't feel connected to? School should be a place of joy, a place of uh, immense satisfaction where learning becomes, in and of its own, um, uh, learning becomes an end in and of itself. You know, I don't think that's, I think we have some major, we need to do some major introspection about school, not just school reform, you know, and how to raise test scores, but what is happening to children as they go through K-12 ed. It would be interesting is correlate high stakes testing with the rise in adolescent suicide or thoughts. A lot of people blame bullying. Yes, my question about bullying is, if schools are wonderful places to be in, a bully wouldn't be interested in bullying. A bullying would be interested in learning. And back to learning being a, a flow state. Learning should be a spiritual matter. It should be fun. The curriculum School theory. should be fun. Where's, where's the joy in education? Right. Why aren't kids waking up? I mean, I love my job. I wake up, I want to come to school. I want to teach. Right. Why aren't kids waking up thinking, oh, I can't wait to get into class? They wake up if they're sick and they're like, I got to go to school because it's UA day. Right. And I don't want to miss art or I don't want to miss music. 
I've known kids to do that. And their parents are like, no, you have a 102 fever. You can't go to school. Yeah. Was it? Nan Hathaway tells a great story about, she said one of her students said, well, I was really sick this morning and I wasn't going to go to school. But then I remembered I had art with Miss Hathaway <laughs> today. So I came into school. And infected everybody. <laughs> I think it was one of those students that <laughs> shared their flu with me. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, flu and pneumonia. Right, so. right. <laughs> Back to the whole, the whole thing about learning, and you know, if learning is is a joyful activity. If it's a joyful experience, you wouldn't want to bully somebody. You'd be interested in your learning. But that's not that's not the case because so that again affects motivation. If, if there's joy in the school, you're motivated. You're not going to be. You're, you're not, not going to worry about bullying anybody. So you're you're going to be interested in what you're learning because learning is a natural human con, natural aspect of being a human being is is learning. And there's no way that we can solve this educational problem with our podcast. But. No, no. But we certainly can provide. Uh, tab teachers and other art teachers with the knowledge that the art room can be that special place in school where joyful learning is a regular occurrence. And they need to promote that. That is probably one of the things that I tell my administrators all the time. A lot of the time, they're like, well, you need to do this assessment or you need to do that. And I'm like, why? They're learning. Why do I have to produce this piece of paper why does this one piece of paper indicate that they're all learning you can just look in my classroom when they're working and see that they're learning you can see uh 30 kids in a classroom if you come 37 30 excuse me 37 it was what you're averaging you're averaging 37 or 35 you know that's hashtag 800 (laughs) (laughs) and we're laughing about this because you know we that's just what we do. We're used to big class sizes, you yeah. know, and um, um, it's, I guess we could call it job security, but. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Everybody wants to come to art class. But there again, thanks to Tab, you can set up your art room in a way that minimizes the pressure on you as a right. teacher. Right. Because because in a Tab classroom, you're unlocking the natural capacities of children for learning yeah and so uh and in all of its various forms uh whether it be hands-on whether it be uh more uh, focused on other areas of you know thinking about learning through uh doing research thinking about learning through experimentation thinking about learning through conversation thinking about learning in groups all manner of learning taking place in a tab classroom when tab is running on you know when it's firing on all all 12 cylinders cylinders and not like you're not like your four-cylinder vega but this is without a floor (laughs) but that's you know and that goes back to motivation uh, when when kids realize they have that opportunity they are they're more apt to to be motivated to create things like that so we're going to have unmotivated students yeah. And we're going to do everything that we can within our classroom to help find what motivates them. And it could be untraditional means. It could be setting up a relationship with that, that student and just 
focusing on that student yeah. and, and helping them. Because in this tab classroom, we have the majority of the kids who are functioning at their own level, making their own meaningful art, artwork. Yes. But then you have this one student who hasn't got to that place yet. And so we now have the time to spend time with that student to help him or her uh-huh. find what motivates them or find what their passions are. Uh-huh. I know um, Yante Jackson and August Augustin, they uh, did a presentation in Boston last year at the Tab Institute on working with challenging classrooms. And they talked also about, you know, the importance of maintaining a tab structure, but also introducing new materials or interesting materials that would capture children's imagination. And that's, you know, one thing tab teachers are uh, are able to do is, you know, make, use new materials in novel ways and uh, introduce... Uh, Old materials. Old, yeah. Uh, old yeah. materials in novel ways. Yeah. You know, you are the cardboard king. You know, but cardboard's one I of those... I stole from you. <laughs> but cardboard's one of those things that it's just such an, an incredible material yeah. to work with. Uh, and a lot of artists now are using cardboard to create their artwork. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, I just draw on straight on sheets of cardboard anymore. And it's cheap. Things. It's all over the place. Yeah. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> it's, you can do all kinds of stuff. Amazon's with it. got good cardboard. I just, I just, uh, I'll just raid a dumpster uh, if I see some cardboard sticking out of it. I like the big sheets, um, but sometimes those are not available. So you can always glue bits together uh, with Elmer's glue or combination Elmer's glue, hot glue, um, cardboard. Gummed that, tape works really well. Or gum well. tape. That's right, gum tape. Yeah. I mean, it's a cardboard's a wonderful, wonderful uh, sculptural material. I saw this one rebel artist one time. He did a portrait of one of our presidents using cardboard. It was like <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, oh, that's the one where the marble came out the nose. <laughs> it was... Should we put that on the? <laughs> no, page? no, we can't put that. <laughs> but no, you. I, I saw you. I, I, yeah, and uh, Picasso was using cardboard in um, uh, the uh, early 19th century with his, when he was doing collage, uh, he called it synthetic collage, um, and he was using cardboard materials. Cardboard's great. Yeah, it's which is one of those things. It's, it's, it's a material that help. If, if you're in elementary school, that's all my kids want to do, cardboard. You know, they just want to build. And cardboard's one of those things that helps motivate them. Other people like, you know, painting. That motivates them. Or wire. Yeah, wire's great. sticks. Some kids like challenges. You know, you can challenge kids. I think I'm going to do a 100 craft stick challenge. Uh-huh, yes. I'm just going to count out 100 craft sticks, write up a challenge. What can you do with it? Put some loose parameters and see what the, the kids can come up with. Another way that we, that we deal with unmotivated kids is with the art trap uh, concept. Yeah, the art traps, yeah. And um, those work really well. Um, they, we just drop them off and move on to interact with other kids, uh, and that sometimes helps, uh, being patient. Um, I'm, I was talking earlier about a young lady who had lost her mother 
uh, the, you know, I left her alone and just kind of interacted with her a little bit. And we were uh, providing the, the one child who was next to, to, sitting next to her was a rebel kind of a guy. And, and she was just observing him for about a month after her mother passed away. And uh, he and he was doing, I was giving him clay because he wanted to work hands-on. And the attempts I'd had with trying to give her art traps weren't working. So uh, one day um, she wanted to paint and uh, she asked me for painting materials. So I set painting materials down in front of her. And um, lo and behold, she start, she produces the most beautiful expressionistic painting of, uh, it was like a landscape. It kind of reminded me of a Gregory Amanoff uh, Gregory Amanoff, he's a painting professor at Columbia University. He does like these abstract land, naturalistic landscapes. And then that's what she was painting. So I brought it up to her. I said, you know, you're channeling Gregory Amanoff. Well, who's Gregory Amanoff? Well, here he is. And I, you know, pull him up on, on my iPhone and um, showed her. And, and we produced some more abstract landscape paintings. And, um, and, and she was very appreciative. And, you know, that's the kind of cathartic experience that TAB provides with all kinds of children, and in particular with um, children who might seem to be unmotivated. But I, I would say the fascinating thing about TAB is that you know we can provide children with patience, we can cross curricular boundaries, we don't, we're not fragmented into you know, just teacher-designed projects, but we can cross over traditional boundaries of curriculum. And I think the fact that there is other learning stimuli in the room with, you know, we observe swarm creativity, children having conversations with each other. Having a conversation is a creative act in and of itself. I mean, here you and I are, we're having like running conversation and we're generating thought and words in split seconds. I think that's, you know, kind of a unique creative event and we're you're able to broadcast it then later on to our listeners our lovely audience thank you for listening <laughs> do we have how many listen do we have more than i don't know a handful i hope i've been getting some comments that's good yeah good comments a lot of people are starting to follow the podcast we people are uh, downloading it so i know it's over 800 from podbean so that's great you know, as we uh, get back in the swing of things and start focusing on some other things, uh, you know, we'll mine the the tab teachers page. I'm tab tab, ed tab, tab educators. educators page. We'll have to we'll have to thank Candy Paul Price for making that change. You know, Candy and Lisa Van Thanks Lucid, for confusing me. Julie Toole. They work so hard on that thing. Yeah, we can't thank them enough. You know, for all the work they've they've done on that, and um, uh, it's like it's it has a life of its own. Some and, awesome stuff and, on there. But um, but back to all the learning that goes on in a tab classroom. You know, ev eventually everything kicks in. Uh, that's the beautiful beautiful thing is all the di divergent forms of learning experience going on, and and in a tab classroom, and all the wonderful opportunities. To take ownership of your learning, and to and to do collaborations, and to to take initiative, and to become your own agent, it's very authentic in the tab classroom. Very, 
real uh, experiences happening in there. They're not manufactured. They can be. They can be manufactured if, if the teacher so desires to provide more structured activities, but but also many, many organic uh, opportunities for, for art or, or art events or art activities to be developed. Yeah. I prefer the organic. Did you want, did you want to get into a wheelhouse and just kind of like, like chain smokers who just keep smoking? <clears throat> we have a tab event coming up Saturday, March 3rd. Kristen O'Dell. Kristen O'Dell in Middlebury. In Middlebury at, at Northridge High School. Northridge High School. If you go to tab educators page, Kristen has posted that on the events and on the events tab. Clyde will be there. I'll be there. We don't know who else will be we there. We don't know who else. Anybody so, else wants oh, to Oh, there's join? people from, I think, uh, there's some folks from Iowa who are coming. Oh. And I think there might be people spending the night cool. in Elkhart. Because that's where the big city that Middlebury is next to is Elkhart. Maybe we'll get some people from Michigan. I, I hope so. Maybe Chicagoland. Maybe. Maybe northern Indiana. I don't know. Central Indiana. <laughs> There's maybe, a lot of us around, maybe, we need to get together and start networking, and I'm looking forward to it. Maybe Brett Bailey might make an appearance. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Marvin Bartell might show up. Oh, yeah, Marvin. I forgot about him. That'd be, nice. That'd be neat to see Marvin. Yeah. We haven't seen Marvin in a long time. No. So, if you don't have anything to do March 3rd, head on up to Middlebury, Indiana. Check it out on the Tab Educators webpage events. Indicate that you're interested or going. We'd like to see you there. Kristen would like to see you there. Sounds like a good time. Yep. Good times. <laughs> yeah, good times. Uh, so let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, Episode 10. That's uh, crazy. That's 10 tab blocks, paper, scissors podcasts. In the can. That's a lot. That's a lot of talking. But we still have a lot more on our minds. At we, least 10 more. We, we really didn't talk that much about rebels, outlaws, and rogues. And we didn't even, we not really talked about the secret, the secret art, art of boys. boys. So. And, and we're supposed to get another special guest interview from a VIP. So. I liked our talk with Diane. It's, it was one of the most popular podcasts. We should have Diane back on again. She could tell us about, you know, her experiences with, you know, at Mass, mass Art talking about what's going on currently and she's knows like people from visual thinking strategies uh, folks uh, she could tell stories about that tell us stories about Abigail Housen yeah and uh, Philip Yenawine yep I mean that's a the, the, that's good to know that if you're a tab teacher I mean you can use that to uh, if you can use visual thinking strategies to talk about other children's tab artwork. Right. I think that would be, you know, that's a really neat thing to do when, when you we'll do that. We'll have to talk about that in another podcast. Yes, we will. Clyde, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, looking forward to our next podcast, Clark, and uh, maybe we'll get uh, some questions from our audience and we can talk about them. Hopefully. Thank you for listening to this episode of Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. You can now stream it to all your devices using Podbean or iTunes. And you can also leave a comment if you so desire.
See you next time, everyone. Goodbye. Come at you like a spider monkey. Like a spider monkey. Go on. <laughs>